Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. Today, we have an incredible guest on the show. And I mean, this was one of the most fun conversations I've had. Our guest is Ginny Saraswati, host of The Ginny Show and founder of Ginny Media. We cover everything from habits of the world's top performers, many of whom are Ginny's clients, and touch on how businesses can get their message and brand out to the world. Now, one thing I want to mention, because our guest did talk about how important this is, is that a successful message always answers an important question. So with that in mind, I'd like to remind everyone listening to please email me at thecadernapodcast at gmail.com. Any questions that you have, suggested guests you'd like to hear on the show, uh, and follow us on social media, leave reviews wherever you tune in, and we'll continue to make this the best show that you can listen to. But back to Ginny. Ginny Saraswati is the founder of Ginny Media, which she started in 2017. It is a production company for some of the most established podcasts and consultant to Fortune 500 companies. She also recently started the Podcast Accelerator, which is a similar one-stop shop for professionally produced podcasts, but for the little guy, you know, new folks that are getting into the industry. Now about Ginny, so she migrated to Australia from Sri Lanka when she was two years old. With an interest in radio, Ginny obtained a degree in media and creative arts from La Trobe University in Melbourne, Australia. In 2017, she founded The Ginny Show and signed on board with Nova Entertainment. Since then, she's been a finalist for the Australian Podcast Awards in the comedy category and has been a nominee for Broadcaster of the Year at the Australian LGBTI Awards, amongst many other accolades. Ginny is now based out of New York City and works with many Fortune 500 companies to make killer podcasts. Here she is. Is going to require work and time and sweat and toil. If money wasn't an issue, what would I be doing? Don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. Change is the only constant. The Kadena Podcast. Ginny, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. Um, excited to be on the Kaderna podcast. This is, this is I listened to a few episodes before I jumped on and you provide such great value to your audience. So I'm really honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. It's our pleasure. And with a lot of your background and bio that we just kind of skated over, I think we'll be able to add even more value because it seems like podcasting is just all the rage today. You know, where did this come from? Did you foresee how big podcasting would get? I got an inkling, Brian, um, as you mentioned, my background um, was in radio and I think uh, radio is the true ancestor to podcasting. If you think about it, like radio was what set up the whole premise of uh, like that intimate space where someone gets to listen to a piece of content. You know, I know I grew up when I was driving or being um, when I was driving to work, not when I grew up. When I started working, I used to drive even to college or when I used to drive to work, I used to listen to the radio on the way. And um, it was a great way to receive news, traffic, weather updates, things that were important to my life while I was getting somewhere. And that's what podcasts effectively um, are now. They've kind of replaced the the radio um, experience that, you know, used to be 20 25, 30 years ago or more, where you get to listen to something while you're on the way to something else and generally somewhere else. And generally with, with that kind of premise, you think about, okay, this is interesting because now we have all this content out there that's about anything. Like you can literally find a podcast about a particular interest of yours and you can listen to that religiously. 
And I remember when I was on radio, I noticed around 2007, 2008, there was a big shift in what we saw in our podcast downloads as opposed to our live listeners. There was a big engagement and a big consumption after uh, we had gone done the show. So we'd wrap up our morning show by nine o'clock. And over the next week, any kind of episodes or interviews that we'd pop up on iTunes at the time, people were downloading it from all around the world. Like we had a huge listenership or a, a huge audience coming from the US, from the UK, who couldn't tune in at the time we were live, but they wanted to catch the interview with that specific guest. So I noticed there was a trend of okay, we're giving our listeners autonomy now. They don't have to listen when we tell them to. They can listen when they want. And that is huge because that gives the listener full power of when, oh, I actually want to listen to this podcast while I'm doing this. And, you know, TV was doing that with On Demand and, you know, um, TiVo and all the devices that were coming out around that time. So podcasting has done the same thing. So I did suspect that that was going to be the trend, like, audio was going to become more autonomous in terms of listener preference. And that's also what uh, prompted me to start my own podcast. And from there, I've seen, you know, businesses jump on board to it. I've seen brands, I've seen, you know, entrepreneurs. It really is a space that's about to boom. Yeah, I think it definitely is booming. And there was, you know, interesting that you touched on how people were able to kind of hone in and say, you know what, I just want to listen to that guest interview and maybe yeah. not the rest of the radio program. Mm -hmm. And I even saw that, you know, like I'm a big 60 minutes fan and there <laughs> might be one segment where you're like, oh, that, that was really interesting. So instead of watching 60 minutes for an hour, I'll go onto YouTube. I'll just click that one segment I wanted to, to see. And then that was it. So do you think that like that ability for consumers to get exactly what they want when they want it, is that kind of eating away the radio industry? Like, is that going to be a thing of the past soon? I think there'll be, I think radio, the radio industry serves a purpose as does, you know, the TV industry when it comes to shows about news or current affairs or that sort of um, preface, because people tune into news because they've grown up with their parents doing it. And, you know, it's just kind of ingrained until they learn another way of getting information that they prefer. I think, um, I don't think the radio industry is going to get uh, absolutely wiped out anytime soon. However, I know the radio industry is adjusting. I know a lot of the radio industry, uh, you know, there's, they're kind of, they're adjusting their model to suit what's, what's kind of happening at the moment. Like there's a lot more podcasts coming out um, about their shows. Some people are doing live podcasts where people can actually tune in on their mobile device when they're on the subway. They don't have to be like in front of a radio while they're commuting, like there's, they're communicating and I guess executing in a different way. Um, I'm, I'm not entirely, I think there's a romantic notion to radio um, in terms of, again, like a generation that has grown up with it. And we'll see in time whether that actually gets completely um, transformed, but radio at the moment is transforming and adjusting to what the uh, listener demands and preferences are that that's very clear with consumer behavior. Yeah. It's interesting because I'm obviously a huge podcast fan, but yep. now I feel like it's sometimes it's almost relaxing in a sense when I do get in the car and I am going to the office and I'm like, you know what, rather than search the million podcasts that are out there and try and find the one I really want right now, I can just <laughs> kind of zone out, put the radio on and, it's like, all right, now it's there for me. And so it's almost like it's kind of coming full circle in a sense. Uh, yeah. And it's almost like too much of a thing is almost uh, too much at that point, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
So why don't, if you could just tell us a little bit about Ginny Media, and um, I know you started as a broadcaster in radio, but what prompted you to found this company, and you know, what are you guys up to nowadays? Thank you, um, Brian. Absolutely. So essentially how I started this company was purely by accident. Um, as I mentioned before, I did notice a trend in uh, listeners tuning into the, the podcast that we were putting out when I was a radio host after the show went live. And I started to see, okay, there's a trend here, like the autonomy that I talked about. We give the listener full autonomy to pick and choose when they listen and what they listen to, right? So I saw that and I started my own podcast, uh, The Ginny Show, in 2016. And after I launched it, you know, podcasting was still fairly in its earlier stages when it came to new non-radio host podcasts, if that makes sense. And I say that because if you were an FM radio host in the early 2000s, typically as what happened to me, what happened was when you had an interview with a celebrity or a high profile guest, that particular interview would get cut up and popped onto iTunes. And that's what people were flooding to, to listen to that particular interview. So I noticed that. And, you know, I noticed too, that all the the podcasters that were starting organically and not from a, a radio show, or they were just starting new shows, just brand new off the fly. I noticed it was a very new space. So when I started the Ginny show, it was, I was still kind of finding my feet. I'm like, okay, this is a new space to kind of quote unquote broadcast in. Like I'm used to a live audience. I was used to that. So I kind of had to find my feet into interacting with audiences in a different way. So, you know, when I was live, people would text in or people would call in. I had that direct, I guess, reaction. Whereas this way it was kind of like, oh, I don't know who I'm talking to if they're listening. Like it was kind of talking into thin air, right? So there was an adjustment there and the podcast got nominated for a couple of awards. um, And I noticed that people were starting to come up to me saying, hey, can you show me how to create a podcast? Because it was still relatively new for people who are non quote unquote media people uh, to create podcasts. So from there, I'm like, sure, I'll I'll help you. And accidentally, what happened was over time, I was able to see, hey, I was missing this as a podcaster. This would be great to have. And that's how Ginny Media started. I I worked on a couple of clients. A couple of them were based in New York. And um, at that time too, I was in a relationship with a New Yorker. So it kind of made sense for me to move over to New York because everything aligned. And from there, Ginny Media just grew. It just, um, we now have 23 people all over the world, over 15 countries. And, you know, we're able to produce for some awesome brands, Allure, uh, that we do with their Science of Beauty podcast one season. Uh, we do some audio tours for Architectural Digest. Uh, we produce a bulk of the Siemens podcast. We work with some pretty exciting brands who are really embracing this new um, space of how people, consumers, even their their particular target audiences, the way that they want to receive information. So it's a very exciting time for us. Um, and, you know, we don't take that for granted. It's It's just great to be in the audio space and, you know, be able to kind of accidentally stumble across some of the most talented people in the world um, to be able to work with them and create amazing audio um, as a result too. Yeah, that's, that is so cool. How it kind of started as a passion with your own podcast and now, you know, you're kind of leading some of the, the biggest and brightest brands with, with their voice. And how did they find you? Like when you got tied in with a Siemens or a Microsoft, like what was that connection there? How did that come about? Well, the thing is, um, Brian, all of our growth at Genie Media has been 100% organic. Like I have not taken out a single dollar in digital advertising. It's purely been word of mouth. 
Um, I'm a little bit old fashioned in the way, and I don't know if just because I have a customer service background and I have a sales background, but um, in Australia, when I had the account manager role that I did, or even working at, you know, a sports retail store, customer service was something that they pushed a hundred percent. like give good customer service. That's how you create relationships. That's how you build loyalty. That's how you build a connection. Um, I wanted to bring that to Ginny Media as well. So I, and I've, I really do instill that in my team and I'm like, you know what, let's give exceptional customer service. Let's aim for exceptional customer service. If we miss the exceptional we still give them above average, which is still a, a, a very uncrowded extra mile um, still nowadays. So I really do feel that it is the talent, the empathy we have as a team um, and the passion that we have to create great audio and serve our clients with the highest possible customer service that has really allowed the team to grow at the scale that it has organically. That's awesome. And now you have two companies here. You've got the Podcast Accelerator, which is relatively new. And that sounds to be more for anyone that just has an idea, has a voice, and they want to be able to produce a great show. And you can be kind of that one-stop shop where Ginny Media, which we've been talking about, is you know much more established corporate type voices. With that said, if you were to give some advice out there, what are you know, maybe some of the, the mistakes people make when they think, okay, I want to create a, a podcast show, whether it's, you know, Johnny down the block or one of these <laughs> massive companies. Yeah. So some mistakes people make that I've noticed, um, I'm going into year five of Ginny Media this year, but even when I was creating my own podcast, some of the mistakes I saw people make was when you have a particular idea for your business or a product coming out, people like, oh, I want to do a podcast to talk about my product. Um, you've got to think about always keep your listener in mind. Like what do they care about? What's going to be of value to them? What is going to help them walk away going, hey, that podcast was great. I learned so many things. I just did a podcast this morning um, with an automotive uh, trainer. She pretty much trains uh, mechanics in her local area. And I'm going to use a mechanic example for a reason. So if you're a mechanic and you're like, hey, I want to get the name of my shop out there in my local area, the best thing to do is create content that you're, or create content that answers the questions of your listeners, like of your customers, really. Like, for example, I know with me, I don't know the difference between this particular tire and that particular tire. Why should I buy one over the other? And it could be like, you know, the three best tires to buy when thinking about the safety of your children or something like that. So create mm -hmm. content that is going to actually inform your audience. It gives them value. So now they can go into a tire shop, which might likely very be your shop and make a decision as to what tire to buy. Right. And you think about those things, like you're not promoting your shop there. You're, you're leveraging yourself as a brand expert in that particular field. And you're giving your audience value. You're not sitting there for half an hour talking about how your shop knows the best tires. You're kind of reverse engineering it to think about how can I give value to my audience? So that's the first place I would start. Think about who you're talking to and you don't want to give your audience a 40 minute to a one hour ad. Like, you know, yeah. that's going to be the, the, a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you really have to be answering a question that you know is on their minds. That's 100%. interesting. Very cool. And with some of these, I mean, you see podcasts from like, you know, Joe Rogan show, which, you know, I'm certainly a big fan. Some of his episodes, mm -hmm. I mean, could be like two or three hours long. They're like marathons. Yep. And then you see other ones out there, you know, also very successful that seem to be like 10 minute snippets. 
what's uh what's the trend for the future do you think or is there room for like everything I think with Joe Rogan, um, he clearly has a huge following. Like he's, he's been a top podcaster for a minute. Um, and I feel that uh, the rule of thumb here is regardless of length, good content is good content, right? Now, good content is going to be subjective person to person. The people who love Joe Rogan may not love the 10-minute style podcast. And the people who love the 10-minute style podcast may not consider Joe Rogan content good. Like, the good content part is going to be subjective. So it comes back to audience, really. Um, I find that the 10-minute podcasts uh, or the shorter podcasts are catered to, quote, unquote, the busy person or the person that wants the quick shot of value before their workday or a quick shot of value for, to, like, kickstart their routine. It goes back to knowing your audience. Um, I see a trend of it, it being both ways, I think. There'll be people who are diehard fanatics about certain podcasts or certain guests or certain people or influencers that they'll listen. If it's a five-hour podcast, they will listen. Um, Oprah puts out longer podcasts and people listen because she's Oprah. Gary Vee does the same. Um, but I feel that it's really, it comes back to who your audience is, what type of following you have. Um, and it's just honestly using your discretion um, for, for each podcast. Like you might drop a 30-minute podcast and see that, audiences are consuming it quite well and then you drop a one hour one it might be the opposite like go back to your audience um, and as you build your following you can make more I guess liberal decisions as to the length that you want to put out got it well said and the, one of the reasons I was asking that is last month we had uh, Eric Tahan on the show who's the CEO of Open Influence does a ton with this this kind of rise of the influencers and one of the things mm. he was saying, working with uh, probably a lot of the similar clients that you have, is that they need to double down in the future on TikTok and on Snapchat and some of these mm. social media platforms that are, you know, hitting uh, Generation Z, who, you know, to date haven't really thought of like what a 15 or 16 year old means to the economy, but it's kind of like here they come. So with that in mind, I mean, where does podcasting, especially some of these long form conversations, where does this fit in with, you know, some of the up and coming generations and uh, what it seems to be like a very um, short attention span, but they mm. can watch these like 30 second clips on TikTok. I think that's a great question there, Brian. Attention span, I mean, living through the pandemic and us being pumped with information from all sorts of sources has been a testament to how people's, I guess, tech overwhelm or need to tech detox or create some separation from tech has, has really kind of shown up. And also to your point, the, the attention span for consuming content over a, a certain amount of time. I think for podcasts, um, it's then you've got to think about your content as a way to repurpose it. So a podcast is a piece of content. So say if it goes for half an hour and it's like a true value podcast where you give your listener like, hey, here's 30 minutes of pure value for like, again, I'm going to use a mechanic example. Here's 30 minutes of pure value of what the questions that you need to ask your mechanic when you're going in for a car service, right? That's that's a pure value podcast. How you make that, I guess, translatable or contextual to platforms like TikTok or Snapchat or Instagram is repurpose some of that content. Like what are some of the highlights from that podcast that you want to turn into a mini reel? Uh, what are some of the highlights for that podcast that's going to be pure fire for TikTok? How can we make a meme out of this? So rather than creating new content from scratch, take the content that you've made that initial time investment in and be like, 
hey, I can actually pull out a few quotes from here and make into quote cards. So I think if you start thinking contextually to what the platform, again, it goes back to empathizing with your audience, right? What that platform of TikTok asks for, what that platform of Snapchat asks for or IG, whatever it might be, and repurposing that content or parts of those content to be contextual to that platform. Does that make sense? I think you hit the nail on the head there. And the thing I see working with business owners and even with myself, I mean, I have my own private practice as a financial advisor, Mm. is the ways that you want to communicate with your audience or your client base. You know, it could have been Facebook and LinkedIn. And yeah. it could, now it, it might be a podcast. In the future, it's it's TikTok and things like these. And it seems like it's all changing so quickly that yeah. I think what you said is spot on that you have to kind of repackage your content. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people out there like that mechanic might say, okay, well, I, I got a great idea. I got a great concept, but I have no idea how to get it in the right uh, kind of mode of communication yeah. And it just, it seems like definitely a lot to, uh, to take on, especially for an entrepreneur. It is. And I think that's where we got to look at, <coughs> excuse me, we've got to look at brand building in a different way. Um, and I, and to your point, I mean, as an entrepreneur too, like if you're not in the content creation space, say for example, let's use a mechanic example again. Yeah. It would be overwhelming to be like, how on earth do I make this into bite-sized chunks for TikTok? Like how on earth do you do it? And I think it just, it, there's one of two ways that you can go. You can do it yourself or you could hire a, a content management company to do it for you because you, you make that initial time investment. So I'm going to give a good example here. So say for the mechanic example, the podcast episode is five questions you need to ask when taking your car into service. Like say that's the title of the podcast, all right? So you do the podcast, you, you give them 30 minutes of value. The next step I would do is, look at that and be like, okay, what are actually the five things that I said? Write those things out. And then you can then pop those into like little quote graphics in TikTok, or you can pop them into little, like a little slideshow in a reel, or you can get like B-roll footage, stock footage, and pop that in there as well with those questions. Because see how I've just turned my audio into something visual and I've made Mm -hmm. it contextual to TikTok and made it contextual to Instagram. So I didn't put any other time creating it from scratch. I have everything there. I have the blueprint there in my piece of content of a podcast. So that's that's the way that I think entrepreneurs have to start thinking like I'm building my personal brand and my company brand from this particular podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. In the way that you say it, Jenny, it sounds so easy. Like, <laughs> boom, we'll just <laughs> have it right out there. And, and uh, it, you could definitely tell you're a little seasoned at the, uh, the production uh, side of things. <laughs> and this is what we do for our client. Like, I don't know how to make this into a reel. I'm like, hi, Ginny Media, we'll do it for you. And that's what <laughs> there happens. you go. And that's a wrap. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you kind of switching gears a little bit. So your show, you know, the Ginny show has, has a great message. I think it touches on a lot of kind of pertinent topics that people want to hear about, but like in a really funny, almost comedic way with some awesome mm-hmm. guests. So what are some things if you could share with our listeners as far as like routines or habits, which I always like to talk about of when people wake up in the morning, you know, what do they do first? How do they approach their day, you know, to, to have success, however they may define that. So do you notice any kind of commonality amongst some of the guests that you've had or some of these really high performers that you work with each day? Oh, Brian, I love this question because I am obsessed with morning routines. Like that's why I ask my guests, what is your morning routine? Because secretly 
I want to tweak and optimize mine. That's why I ask that question <laughs> yeah. so much. Um, I have noticed a habit and, you know, there's different books that you can read about it, different pieces of content that you can consume, different experts say different things. Like I've read the 5am club. I've read Miracle Morning. Um, one of my coaches has like a, a morning thrive practice that she recommends. And there's different variations of what a morning routine looks like. Ultimately, um, the key um, theme or the key, key commonality that I see between successful people um, when it comes to a morning routine is one thing. They have one. Um, I'm just going to say that very blatant. They actually have a morning routine. And when you think about it, you're like, that sounds so clinical to have like a rigid routine in the morning, but that's the beauty of it. When I first started getting into my morning routine, the one thing, the one mistake I made was that I thought, oh, it has to be rigid or it has to look like everybody else's. And what you'll learn in time is your morning routine will look differently to someone else's. It's just got to be what works for you. Um, typically, it involves some journaling, uh, gratitude, or some way of like reflecting on what's coming up on the day. It's like you're warming up your car. Again, I'm using car analogies throughout this whole podcast, but hey, we'll just stick with <laughs> I see it. that. <laughs> right? You know, you know when you turn on your car during like winter and you need to give the engine some time to warm up. You can't drive that baby cold, like you need to warm up the engine. So it's the same thing with your body, with your mind, with, with everything. You just morning, your morning ritual, your morning routine is that warm up into the day. And what people don't realize is we always think 10 years ahead, like in five years, I'm going to achieve all these things. And I know we can overestimate that because I was one of those people. But what I find with a morning routine is it allows you to pause daily. And if you start each day, intentionally you will have an intentional month you will have an intentional year and you'll have intentional years as a result so some like I said some habits are journaling gratitude there's some form of physical movement some exercise in there um, you know nourishing food hydration so it's really looking after the body mind and heart really those those three factors but just keep in mind, when you start a morning routine, start small, add on and tweak. My morning routine, what it was two years ago, was very rigid. Like I got up at 5.30 a.m., brushed my teeth, did my skincare, journaling, you know, meditation, all these sorts of things. Um, now I actually break up my morning routine according to my day. Generally, almost always, the one thing for me I have every day is I go work out. Like that's non-negotiable. That's how I start my day. And then I'll come back, get my coffee, and then I'll start the journaling, gratitude, um, meditation. And then I'll come back like to it and finish off with some things like some reading. It's just, it's got to be something that's deeply personal to you, but have a routine, have a ritual for you in the morning. Because that way you're starting each day intentionally and you're starting each day with something for you. That's awesome. And, and I was going to ask you, like, if you didn't mind what your routine was. So I appreciate you, you know, sharing that with everybody. <laughs> Thank you. It's I, I like asking that question too because it was something I didn't back in the day. I didn't really give a ton of thought to, and I, I've always been right. into fitness and athletics. So naturally, oftentimes I would just work out in the morning and say, "Hey, that's it." And, and it was great. It was probably more than most. <laughs> but it was funny. I listened to a podcast uh, with Timothy Ferris, and um, I'm drawing a blank yep. on uh, oh Hugh Jackman, the the guy that played Wolverine. And so he happened to ask Hugh Jackman what his morning routine was. And he said he just wakes up a half hour earlier than he plans. He gets a cup of coffee and he starts reading. And he's like, I don't read for particular work or project. I read as if, you know, I'm on vacation 
And it's just that book that I just kind of like escape in. And I, I love wow. that idea. I've always been a big reader. So now my thing, just to kind of share real quick, is I combine a little <laughs> bit of the TB12 method with Tom Brady, where I wake up, I just chug like a ridiculous amount of water. And then I go wow. right up, I sit in the recliner and, and read for a half hour. And I found that that was kind of like a game changer where I just entered the day a, a little bit earlier than normal and really refreshed yeah. in a sense. So uh, exactly. I appreciate you sharing that because I think some of these morning routines do set the tone for the day. Absolutely. And I think people get kind of overwhelmed that it has to look one particular way. I mean, that is one way of doing a morning routine. Doesn't mean it's the the only way. Like I know with me, I tried the 5am club. It worked for a particular part of my life, but as my business has grown and as I've grown and evolved and I'm, I'm going through my personal transformations, it's you tweak it as you go. It doesn't have to stick to what it is. And I love that the fact that Hugh Jackman, I'm always very proud when people mention Hugh Jackman, because um, he's an Australian first and foremost, but everybody who's met Hugh Jackman has said, oh, yo, he's just the nicest guy. So I'm glad he's out there representing Australia in a very good light. But I love the fact that, you know, his routine is so like, it sounds very simple, right? He does two things. He gets up earlier, half an hour earlier, and he reads to enter the day. Like it sounds very simple, but it just, the nourishment it gives him and the recharge it gives him to start his day is amazing. Yeah, without a doubt. And I never knew he was Australian. So uh, that is is a good plug there. (laughs) (laughs) And just kind of elaborating on that point, like what are some, I guess, maybe general or particular skills uh, that you see out of these leaders or these business owners that aside from their morning routine have helped them get to where they are? I think, um, you know, Gary Vee put out a, a new book recently called 12 and a half, not to plug his book, but he has a point about certain skills that aren't particularly taught in business school. Like I didn't go to business school. Like I did a, a, a unit in high school uh, of business management, but that's the extent of my business studying. Um, but I, or my formal education around business anyway, but I think like for these leaders, things in common that I'm seeing that they have is they definitely have patience. And they have patience at a micro level and they have patience at a macro level too. Um, And that ability to shift from that micro level to the macro level, I'm going to explain what that means. So when I look at the micro level, it is the day-to-day tasks, you know, the day-to-day meetings, the, the things that you have to do to get things executed on the daily that's at the micro level. And then I know Gary Vee calls it clouds and dirt. Like it's like the trenches, right? The way you're doing all the hard work is, is the micro level. And then the macro level is obviously your long-term goals. Like, you know, in five years, this is going to grow. If you just keep chipping at it every day, you know where this is going to go. So you have the patience to look at it from both levels. And you have the patience to also know and learn that, you know, you are a leader and you also do work for your team. They do give up their time and they do exchange their time and their, their talent and that to service your company. But you also do work for your team. And I think that humility of knowing, yes, you're the leader, but your team work for you, work for your team. I think that is also strange in a weird way, so grounding when it comes to leadership. So I've noticed these leaders are very people focused and that comes with that level of um, patience and humility. And also the other thing is empathy. Uh, and, you know, empathizing that, you know, having a global team over 15 countries, we all go through different things. Like someone may rock up to a meeting going, hey, we're just going through a monsoon. Whereas I look out my window and it's shining bright with the sun shining bright. Like 
developing that empathy, you know, that different people are going through different things, like seasons, things change, having that space to know, hey, this is what's happening for them. Let's have some empathy. But also the other side of empathy is accountable, accountability. So leaders who hold themselves accountable to finishing things and are very transparent about, hey, I didn't get this done, um, that sets a tone for the company or their, their businesses is, okay, everybody needs to hold themselves accountable to get certain tasks done. And if they don't get those things done, that needs to be communicated. So accountability, humility, um, I guess, empathy, and also patience. They're the four ingredients I've seen in leaders that have really helped them be successful. Interesting. So again, that was accountability, humility, empathy, and patience. Yes, those uh, four. Yeah, those are four easy to say, but definitely hard to, to practice every single 100%. day. So, yep. 100%. <laughs> no, I like that. And kind of in that same vein, you know, when we talk about these, these values of being successful, kind of being righteous, doing good things, one of the things I pose to anyone that's in really like the big tech space that's been on the show is these modes of communication are changing. And if you look at radio and TV, there was a certain level of accountability at, at one time for what could be broadcast, what could go on a show, who could say what. But now it seems that as everything's kind of being uh, parceled out into social media and all these mm. new news outlets, and now literally like hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, do you foresee any type of, of oversight on this or how how do they maybe kind of cut out some of that quote unquote fake news or, or some of the misinformation <laughs> that does circulate? Well, we, we saw some of that come up with some of the tech platforms when it came to, you know, distributing information about COVID or even about the election. Uh, we saw, you know, a lot few tech platforms get under, like get in hot water about these things. I think what's, this is my observation as to what has happened is that everything boomed really quickly. Uh, when it came to podcasting or, you know, expression on social media, I think it happened very quickly across multiple platforms. So it actually got out of control before anything could be regulated, right? It's like letting 400 toddlers run amok in their terrible twos. And you're like, oh my God, how we can, how can we parent these um, <laughs> different things and, and reel them in, right? I do foresee, uh, like even in podcasting, I do foresee, I think there have been steps like the IAB have updated their terms and that sort of thing. But I do think there is going to be some form of regulation that will have to come in that will will we'll need to take some of the uh, the processes from traditional media of regulation and that sort of thing. And that will be something tech companies will need to look at, especially if people are putting content out on those platforms. It'll be like, okay, how can we actually filter this or how can we actually regulate this um, to ensure to your point, um, Brian, that level of accountability is maintained. Um, because I think to your point, you can go on different apps and say different things and they can deeply influence people, um, which is a powerful thing about platforms, but also it can be uh, something that's quite destructive too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we all want freedom of speech. I think that's key, but then it's kind of when it goes a little bit too far, then it, it just seems like that pendulum that kind of swings back and yeah. forth between go out there and say anything that you want to, all right, now we've got to kind of buckle down and, um, you know, maybe kind of penalize some people that have gone too far. Yeah. So what do you foresee for the future of podcasting? Obviously it's booming right now. If, if you ever look at the uh, listenership of the big podcast versus big radio, 
or you know the viewership of some of even like YouTube channels, things like that versus traditional news stations. I mean, it is it is changing and changing quickly. So mm. what do you think the future holds for all this industry? I think the immediate future, um, podcasting, as weird as this sounds, it, stats are changing quickly. Um, and I guess audiences are drawn to the platform quickly. I'm not surprised about that given what I talked about earlier, the autonomy that podcasting gives you. it's And I know people can say, yeah, but hey, watching a YouTube video, it gives me autonomy. I can watch it when I want. I can read a book or a blog when I want. Absolutely, you can. However, podcasting slash audio is the only way of consuming communication that allows you to multitask. Like you can't watch a video and vacuum right? You can listen to the video, which is my point being it's audio, right? You can listen to the video and vacuum. You, you can't read and vacuum, although some people might do that, but you know, it's not highly effective. <laughs> so as we get busier, which we, I think the pandemic just sped up the world to needing to be on screens. I think that was going to be inevitable, but I think the pandemic just sped up some elements of that and has created this whole um, hybrid way of working uh, which companies weren't open to before, but now they are, or well, they had to be because they had no choice. Um, and then you see the great resignation because people are like, actually, this is a different way of working. I want more for me and et cetera, et cetera. Like all these things have happened. So in terms of audio, what I see happening is um, podcasting still being at its infancy stages. There's, there's what, 2 million podcasts out there. I know there's different bits of data, but 2 million sounds like a lot, but that's less than what 1% of the population or 0.1%, I believe it is of the population. But you look at that in comparison to YouTube, like YouTube started, I believe 2005. So YouTube is like what, 17 years old. And at the moment, YouTube has 37 million channels. Like that's not videos, that's channels, right? They've got over billions of videos, but they've got 37 million channels alone. And blogs, blogs have been around for eons, like pretty much since, uh, you know, the, the internet started. There's over 600 million blogs. So when you look at those two platforms compared to podcasting, we're still just getting started. Like we're just literally just turning the key in the engine and we're still getting started. So I, I do see a lot more brands um, adopting and accepting this way of podcasting, even in how they use it in their internal communications. A lot of companies now are turning into internal company podcasts because they're engaging their employees a bit more effectively that way than sending out a company newsletter that nobody reads. Um, So I do see podcasting being more integrated into brands, into cultures in that way. And I do see audio playing a bigger role. Like we've seen the, the home devices like Alexa and Apple Pod, like Alexa, you voice power things and it, it does things for you. So they'll start being put into cars. So I do see the audio space being more integrated. It may not look like the end product of a podcast, but the audio and voice space is something that, you know, we need to watch. It's going to be very heavily integrated into our day to day. Wow. That, that was so interesting. Cause it's funny. Like I, I came out with this show, I guess, two years ago now. And I was like, man, I guess I'm pretty late to the game coming out with the whole podcast (laughs) idea. But then you kind of spell it out like you did. And it's like, it really is still in the infancy stage. um, Yeah. It's exciting to see kind of what all of this evolves into. Exactly. Exactly. That, uh, (laughs) that is awesome. And do you have a favorite podcast? Like I was in, even for our listeners, if you're thinking of what's out there, you know, just scrolling through your website, you know, Ginny Media you have such a catalog here of just a, a awesome <laughs> podcasts and really like broad categories from finance to 
you know, relationships yeah. to business, fitness. Um, it's really cool. I mean, do you have kind of like a favorite that you make sure you turn into? Um, I actually, I try, I listen to all of my client podcasts. It might not be on the regular, but I do listen to them because I love giving them feedback as to, to what, you know, could be done well or what he's already going well. I love just, you know, as a client service provider, I, I love doing that. My favorites that I love um, within my, my roster of clients too. I love Messy and Magnificent. Um, I love the Ageless podcast with uh, Cynthia Rowley and her daughter, Kit Keenan. I love that podcast too. I love the Fahrenheit podcast. Big fan of the founder, Farron Wiener. Um, she's she's fantastic. So those three are, are on rotation for me. But outside of my clients, um, I love Inner Map with Mitra Manesh on purpose, Jay Shetty. Uh, one that I found through a meditation app called um, it, It's Terrible Thanks for Asking. Uh, that is a great podcast for someone going through any kind of grief or any kind of sadness. That was a very lovely find for me. Um, I love the Mark Rose podcast. Um, yeah, I could I could talk all day about what podcasts I love, but I'm sure the Journal podcast will be one that I'll add to my list as well, Brian. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And do you think there's going to be more of kind of these audiobook types? Like sometimes when I just scroll through what the top episodes are out there, um, you see ones that just seems like uh, almost like it's a book that they turned into a podcast. Yeah, I think podcasts are also in a way becoming like the university of the future because we I learn a lot from podcasts too. Like I know, especially at the end of the year when, you know, content and regular programming kind of does down and they put either replays on TV or that sort of thing or traditional media that put replays or non-regular programming. What I love at the end of the year is reflection episodes, like how to plan for the next year coming. Like I find that to be a big kind of university for me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take notes. Like it does become a lesson. And that, again, the beauty of podcasting is you can take that phone with you anywhere or your laptop with you anywhere, plug it in and do your lesson. So I, I do see that happening. It is a form of education um, in a way as well. Hmm. That's, um, that's really well said. I mean, any, we've covered so much here. I think this was really fantastic, Jenny. And in a short amount of time, kind of got like all the key things, I think, on this industry that's that's just evolving mm -hmm. so quickly. But anything that you want to make sure our, our listeners know or any kind of um, parting bits of advice, New Year's resolutions that you want to share, kind of things on the future that uh, could help people get to that next level? Um, I would say if you want to, <coughs> excuse me, if you're looking at starting a podcast, I think think about, you know, who your audience are. And I know it sounds like a big daunting task. It's like, I don't know who my audience is. But again, if you're a business owner, just look at your, your customers. Like what are the common pain points that they have? Think about, okay, they, they worry about this. They care about this. That is a way that you can show up and give them value or assistance as to how to, you know, relieve them of, of pain or relieve them of a concern or provide them information as to how they can relieve those, those concerns and what they care about. So I think if you're studying a podcast or any form of content, go back and think about who your audience is, like get to know them. That is very important, not only important data for you, but also a great way to form a relationship and a connection organically with your, with your consumer. So I know that sounds like a very basic piece of advice, but just that focus alone is change the trajectory of the quality of content that you make. 
Yeah, I think sometimes you, you do have to go back to basics and perhaps kind of a yep. follow-up question to that. I'm sure, you know, your clients, your paying clients tell you all the time what they like or they don't like. Yeah. Um, but with your show, you know, which has done very well, how do you communicate with some of your fans? Like what are, do you get feedback on that? Or do you, are they asking you questions that you have follow-up episodes to, or what's that dynamic like? Yeah. So for, for me in particular, for the Ginny show, I actually have a lot of passive listeners who only really reach out if I am off season. They're like, Hey, we haven't heard from you for a while. I'm like, I didn't know you were listening, but hello, lovely to meet you. Tell me about you. Um, so for me with the Ginny show, I got a lot of social media was where I communicated a lot with my um, listeners that they DM me or they'd leave comments on posts that I'd make. But for clients, I think um, it's just the call to action. Um, there's ways that you can integrate listeners into your conversations. For example, I encourage my clients to read out reviews um, that people have left. It's like, you know, that may be like a 30 to 45 second airtime, quote unquote, or podcast time for you. But for that particular fan, you've got them for life once you do that, because they're going to share that with their mum their brother, their cousins. And, you know, if, if you strike out lucky and you get a Sri Lankan like me listening to it, if I share that with my family, you've got 120 new different listeners just, just with that share right there. So like <laughs> things like that, think about that too. Um, that's a great way of communicating with your listener rather like a, a great way of communicating with your listener by acknowledging that they've listened, giving them a shout out, but also at the end of your podcast or your end of content, put a call to action, like let them know how they can reach you. Because um, the one thing podcasting platforms haven't gotten right now is like that direct communication. Like people can't go into Apple Podcasts and message the user, right? Like they can't message the host. But go to their social, like put your social media platforms there, put your emails so people know they have a direct line to you in some way, shape or form. Got it. That was a fantastic bit of advice there. <laughs> so Ginny, I appreciate this. Uh, I think we we just introduced so many different ideas and hopefully motivated some of our listeners out there, maybe to start their own podcast or see what they're going to do for their business. Awesome. So, um, Thank you so much, Brian, for having me. This has been so much fun. Um, I had a lot of fun talking about podcasting it, and audio. So thanks for having me. Yeah, it really has. It's been my pleasure. So everyone, again, uh, thank you very much to Ginny Swati for coming on to the show today. She is the host of The Ginny Show. You can also find her at ginnymedia.com. So definitely check it out. Lots of good content there. And thank you again for tuning in. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. You just listened to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. We'll see you next time. This podcast is intended for the general public and for informational purposes only. The show does not provide any recommendations or investment advice regarding any specific account type, service, strategy, or product, or to otherwise act in any fiduciary or other capacity. Please contact a financial professional for guidance and information that is specific to your situation. Brian Kaderna does not provide tax or legal advice. Please contact your accountant or legal advisor to discuss your situation. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Kaderna Financial Team, and opinions stated are their own. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not guarantee of future results. References to specific securities, asset classes, and financial markets are for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a solicitation, offer, or recommendation to purchase or sell a security. 
Brian Kaderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003, phone number 973-244-4420. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Kaderna Financial Team is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0K04194.